Uh, today is the seventh installment of the Armor of God series. We're going to be talking about uh, the sword of the Spirit today. We've talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of preparation or readiness, the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation. And today, we're going to look at the sword. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, as we've, as we've looked through this series, um, I hope that you've picked up, because I've mentioned it a few times, but I hope that you've picked up that even though the, the Word of God is mentioned as a sword here in, in uh, verse 17, throughout the entirety of this armor series, we've recognized that the Word is a part of everything. So the Word is not only an offensive weapon, which is the only offensive weapon we have, but it's also defensive in nature too. We've seen that through the whole, there's a thread through the whole armor series uh, and the armor teaching where the Word of God is, is defensive, but it is also the only offensive weapon we have. So let's look at today. First, I want to talk about four characteristics, four things that distinguish uh, this sword. Uh, the first thing is this. I want you to know that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is not the sword. Uh, the sword is the Word of God. John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, it is the sword of the Spirit in that it originates from the Spirit. It impart, the Spirit imparts, empowers the revelation of both the written and spoken Word of God. And you'll hear terms today like logos and rhema as, as I kind of walk through this this morning. In John 16, verse 13, Jesus said, when he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And then the last thing that he says in verse 15, that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me, Jesus, what he will make known to you. So Jesus makes known to the Spirit, and the Spirit makes it known to us. That's kind of how it works. That's why it is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit is what empowers the Word into our lives. It's kind of like the wind in the sails of the Word. Um, number two, the second characteristic. The sword is the only piece of equipment that is not solely for defensive purposes. It is literally the only offensive weapon we have in our armor. Most of the time, and not most of the time, I'll say it this way, all of the time, when you live in perpetual defeat spiritually, it's because your word, your time in the word is anemic or lacking or even non-existent um, because you don't, have, you don't have the weapon. You don't have the weapon. Uh, I talked to you last week about the difference from moving from believer uh, into a follower. And this is the problem that a lot of people have. I believe in Jesus. Great. I'm glad that you do. I'm saved because I believe and I confess Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. So I'm a believer. And that's a wonderful thing to be. However, you can be a believer and still be weak and anemic spiritually because the word is not in your life. The word of God is what enables you to combat the enemy. The Word of God is what gives you the strength that you need to repel the devil when he attacks us. And, and how many believe there's a devil? He's not your husband or your kids, but there's the devil, okay? There's the devil. Uh, and he wants to steal, he wants to kill, he wants to destroy you. That's his entire purpose for existence. He's going to lie about you, he's going to accuse you, he's going to do all of these things. You've got to know that he exists. And you've got to recognize that he is there, and there's an enemy that wants to destroy your soul. And so when you do that, how do I repel him? How do I, how, I want to kill the devil. Well, you know what, here's the thing, you're not going to kill the devil. Okay? As a matter of fact, that, that, the, the punishment of Satan is reserved for Jesus. He's going to put him in the lake of fire, he's going to deal with him, he's going to deal with him, and God's not going to let you do something, he said, I'm going to do this myself. 
for years, we've always, we live, when I was a young boy, I remember all these, these prophetic teachers would come through and they'd have the big sign, big board on the platform, stretch out the whole platform. And wow, and they would talk about how, you know, the great bear of the north was Russia and, and all this. And they would take and they would give us the analogy of the, the uh, Apache helicopters as the scorpions and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and so that the end of the world is going to come with a nuclear holocaust, just a nuclear apocalypse. Boom, boom, boom. And then one day I heard somebody say this and it just kind of struck a chord with me. Why would God let us destroy ourselves when he says, I'm going to do this? Well, it's gonna, he's going to rain down from heaven. That could be a nuclear thing. It also could be just fire that God says, Pah! right? You know, well, you don't know that. I really don't. My hope and prayer is that none of us are here when that happens. Okay? Well, I don't believe in the rapture. Great. Fine. Not gonna fuss. I'm not going to argue with you about that. You know, well, when is it going to happen? Pre, post, mid? How about pan? It's all going to pan out in the end, okay? Let's just, you know, let's just live it. But let's live it to the best of our ability and let's make sure, let's make sure that we're a part of the remnant. That has nothing to do with the, with the armor of God whatsoever, but it just... I'll consider that a rhema word from the Holy Spirit this morning. We'll, we'll go down that word. All right. Number three, the, th- the third characteristic of the sword, and this is, this is something that I did not know, and it just kind of jumped off as I studied it over the last few weeks, and that is the word for sword here uh, is not the long sword. I can't pronounce the word because I don't speak Greek, but the, the thing that I, as I looked at it, I began, I went and looked up the word, and I went, wait a minute. You know, I had the, we had the long sword and all this kind of, it's not that sword, it's a dagger. It's 12 to 14 inches, has a blade 12 to 14 inches. It's literally made. You don't, you don't have close combat with a long sword. I mean, just, you don't. That's, that's, a, that's not a, the long sword is what David used to finish Goliath off. Oh, he killed him with a rock. No, he knocked him out with a rock. Well, he was dead then. I wasn't there. No EMTs checked his pulse or anything like that. Here's what I know. David took Goliath's sword, the long one, and cut off his head. At that point, guess what? He gone. <laughs> Goliath is gone. He's dead. Boom. He's dead. The sword here in the armor of God is not the long sword. It's a dagger. It is literally meant for close contact, close hand-to-hand contact. Contact. Um, it's made, and here's the, this is the thing, and this is something that, that just kind of jumped out at me as I studied this, and that is when we face the enemy, it's not at a distance. It's not at a distance. If he's accusing you and I, he's not screaming it out from 100 yards away. When he's accusing you and I, he's right here next to us, speaking in our ear. Speaking in our ear. Speaking in our ear, telling us that we're no good, telling us that we have not been forgiven, telling us that we'll never amount, telling, you know, all kinds of stuff. Whatever he's accusing you of, whatever he's lying to you about, he's doing it real close. He's doing it real close. He doesn't use social media, okay? He's going to get right in your face and he's going to tell you, not to say that he can't use it to his advantage sometimes, because 
Quite frankly, there's a lot of people in our churches today that believe more on social media than they do the Word of God, and they spend way more time on social media than they do in the Word of God, which might be a problem. It might be a problem. Number four, the Greek term word, we're talking about the sword, the word, is rhema here in this particular instance. It's rhema which is a specific word of Scripture or an individual utterance given in the heart by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's where it gets interesting for me and hopefully for you too. Because when I first, when I've, down through the years, I've just kind of expected, okay, it's the, word of, it's the written word of God. And it can be a part of that. But here is specifically he uses the word rhema to denote the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the word rhema. It is a specific word of scripture or an individual utterance giving in the heart by the Holy Spirit. And here's what, here's what I want you to get. You cannot speak, rhema, the word of God, what you haven't read, the logos. Okay? It's, it's talking about when you get into that situation and the enemy is attacking you, the only way you're going to repel him is to use the sword of the Spirit in close combat. In other words, when he accuses, you speak the Word of God by the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit brings it back to your remembrance, you speak that to the enemy. But he can't, he's not going to put the Word of God in your mind if you've never opened the Word of God. Okay, he's not going to just give you words out of thin air to speak if you haven't gotten into the Word and you haven't studied it. If you haven't read it, if you haven't put it in. And let it be in there. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Verse 15 again, the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. John 14, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring them to your remembrance. In a completely different context, but it works the same here. And that is this. If you're arrested, Mark, Mark 13, whenever you're arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is using what you take in. You can speak in that moment. He'll bring it to your remembrance. Well, I'm not a good memorization person. It's not about memorization. Because in that moment, God will give you by the Holy Spirit the word that you need to say in that moment to repel the attack of the enemy. You say, can you give me an example of that? I will in just a minute. Here's the thing. The idea of rhema, the spoken word of God, corresponds to the declaration in, Rome, in Revelation 12, 11, where it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. So they overcame him, who? Satan. By the blood of the Lamb, the decisive victory that Jesus won on the cross of Calvary. When he, when he came off the cross, he went into the tomb. When he was resurrected the third day, the victory was done. It was a decisive victory, and Satan knew in that moment that he was licked. There was nothing he's going to be able to do about it. The problem is you and I don't live as victors. We don't live in that victory because we don't necessarily understand the victory. We don't read the Word enough to know the victory and live the victory. But notice this, and the Word of their testimony, the confession of their mouth. Well, I confess Jesus is Lord. It's not that confession. I remember as a kid, we used to have testimony services on Sunday nights, back in the day when we had Sunday night church. 
We always, you know, we'd sing for a while and then I'm going to go, ah, we need to have a testimony service. And sometimes we'd have a, uh, where you gave your testimony and you said so-and-so, you call somebody else's name and they had to stand up and give theirs. Mortifying. <clears throat> for an introvert, it's the worst thing, somebody had some mean buddies that all they wanted to do was make me stand up. You know, but we gave testimonies. It's not that kind of testimony. That type of testimony is just giving what God has done and what God means to you in your life. The testimony of those that overcame Satan and that will overcome Satan is when they testify declaring the word of God. Testimony is an open declaration, confirmation, also referred to as the spirit of prophecy, which is declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Revelation talks about Jesus having the spirit of prophecy. Why? Because he declares the gospel. He is the gospel. So here's the example I told you about in, in, in Scripture. When tempted, Jesus testified or declared the word of God. It was the use of the word of God by Jesus at his temptation that enabled him to repel Satan in the wilderness. John, uh, Luke 4, verse 13, verse, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he's in the wilderness. He's tempted. He's been there for 40 days. He's eaten nothing. He's hungry at the end of it. In verse 3, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become red. Jesus answered, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. Verse 5, the devil took him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, all will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil then took him to Jerusalem, to the top of the temple, the highest point. And he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And here's what's interesting. The Satan uses scripture. Satan uses scripture. He recognizes what Jesus is doing, that Jesus is combating temptation with the word, so he tries a different tactic. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's a true statement. But Jesus knew that he's using it out of context. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Three times, Satan said, hey, this, this, and this. Three times, Jesus said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He declared the known word of God to the enemy. He declared the known word of God to the enemy. Jesus responded with God's truth every single time. Through using God's word and the testimony of our mouth, we have the sword or the dagger to repel any and all attacks of the enemy and any demons or, or spiritual forces that come against us. But if we don't have the word of God in our life, then we can't combat the enemy. We've got to have the dagger. It's going to be close contact. We've got to be able to speak it, and we've got to be able to say, it is written. Now, don't take that so literally that you go, well, I have to say to the enemy, it is written every time. I'm saying you've got to speak the word of God. When the enemy says that you are nothing, you can remind him that according to the word of God, that you're an heir, a joint heir with Christ. You're the son of God. You're a child of God. You're the daughter of God. You're a king and a priest and an heir unto God. That means that you're somebody. When the enemy says you're never, you're never going to feel forgiveness. You stand, you, you quote the word of God and you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And I am. That's, the, that's how you combat the Word of God. Well, I don't know all those passages. 
Okay. Our responsibility is to read and study and devour. It's the Holy Spirit's job to bring it to our remembrance, to give us the words to say when the time comes to say it. Greg Laurie says this, when we're tempted, the most effective weapon that God has given us to believe, as believers is the word of the Spirit, a sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So what about the word? What about the word? What about the Bible? A lot of arguments this, these days, a lot of things people say, well, it's not truth, it's, you know, it's not, it's not this and it's not that, it's dead letter, it's all this kind of thing. So to that, I'm just going to use the word, okay? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Hebrews 4.12, it's dead, it's not alive. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. And this is what we don't like. See, we want to make the claim that we're a follower of Christ, but we don't want the microscope on our life. The problem is, you can't be a follower of Christ and not have the microscope. God's God's watching. Well, they would have never confessed, they would have never repented or confessed if they hadn't got caught. Here's, I just submit to you this. We're all caught. We're all caught. You can't do a thing without going, going, God going, "I, I see that. I see you. He sees it all. As we read the word, the word reveals to us God's ability to know everything that's going on. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing is hidden. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before him, the eyes of him, to whom we must give an account. I love those two passages. But one of the most important ones that we can remember this morning is this one. It's the psalmist. He said this in 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You want to keep your life from sin? Now, you're, you're going to, we're all going to make mistakes. We're all, going to, we're all going to sin. We're going to do things that we shouldn't do. We're going to do things that grieve God. That's just the humanity of who we are. But those things become less in our life the more we engage in Scripture. The more we engage, the less sin has dominion over us. Remember I talked a few weeks ago about how, you know, we're, we, we live behind walls and gates and everything. At salvation... Jesus unlocks the gate and opens it. But so many of us choose to live inside the fence. We choose to live inside the fence. God has so much more for every one of us. We have the ability to repel the enemy if we'll take the time to read his word. We read the word of God, we can repel the enemy. That's why James said, he said, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. We've, we've, we've thought for years, all we got to do is say Jesus' name and he'll go. Well, we see, you see the book of Acts with the seven sons of Sceva. That didn't work so well. But it's not just the name. The submission piece, and the submission piece is into the word of God. Letting the word open us up. Letting the word reveal. Letting the word be placed in our minds. And so when the time comes and temptation comes, we can say, you know what? It's written. It is written. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Engage, accept, and apply it. Amen? Let's stand.
Don't get out of church early today. Here's the deal. What you feed the most is what gets strongest in your life. I don't remember the, the, the way it goes, you know, starve a coal, feed a fever, feed a fever, fever coal. I, I, don't know how that, I don't know how that works. Yeah. I don't know how that works. When I have a fever, I'm useless. I mean, I'm a, I'm a weenie. I can have a, my, you know, what is it, like 98.6 is the thing or something like that. 99, I'm down. I'm just down. I'm horrible when it comes to a fever. Take a lot of things. Fevers I don't do well with. So I don't know what that is, but I can tell you this. If you feed your spirit with the word of God, it's going to be stronger than your flesh. You feed your spirit, you starve your flesh. If you feed your flesh, your your spirit's going to go uh, malnourished. So you feed your spirit with the word of God. And you let the word of God do what it's going to do. And the Holy Spirit will do his part 100% of the time. Amen? Let me pray for you, and then Luke's going to come and, and close us out. We got some giveaways this morning to some guys in the house, and um, it's going to be a good day. Father, I thank you today for your word. I ask you this morning, God, as I have throughout this entire series, God, that you would illuminate these truths into our heart and into our lives. God, there's nothing that I can do beyond bring this word to enable people in this congregation, those listening in their homes, to engage in it is something that they have to decide to do. They've got to pick up the word. They've got to consume the word. There will be no rhema in their life if they haven't brought the logos in. They've got to have that written word. They've got to read it. They've got to hear it. So that when the time comes and the enemy begins to bring accusation and temptation they have something in their, in their heart and in their mind and in their spirit that the Holy Spirit can take and use and prompt them and go, it is written. But it's a decision that each of us must make on our own individually. And my prayer today is for everyone in the sound of my voice, we'll make that decision, God. That we'll engage in your word, that we'll accept it as absolute truth and we'll apply it to every area of our life. We give you praise. And we give you glory today in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen and amen. Let's say the Lord's Prayer and then Luke's going to come and give away some stuff. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Jen. You. I love you.